Thank you for listening to this Reading the Bible Together podcast, available thanks to your support. Welcome to Reading the Bible Together. I'm your host, Angela Smith. The Hebrew words for compassion, and the noun, of course, is compassion, and the verb would be, you know, to have mercy. But I found out that the Hebrew root word for compassion is actually womb. So that surprised me a lot. That's where the strongest connection of compassion and love are. Uh, It's where that bonding between the mother and the baby happened. And so it's, uh, I was just thinking about the womb as the place of the development happening. So there is a place of growth, and there's a place where the fetus is nourished. So there's the nourishment aspect, and it's a place where the baby is protected while they're growing. Those three things, growth and nourishment and protection, are all part of compassion. This week, we're talking about the spiritual discipline of compassion, and I am so excited about my guests today. We actually went to college together, and it's been very fun to watch them come together in their relationship, in their marriage, in their family, and then to see God move in their heart and call them to Limerick, Ireland. So they were called to Ireland, and they're there with United World Mission. And in watching them do mission and be on mission in Limerick and partner with what God is doing in Limerick. I've seen this compassion that we're going to talk about today, this, the emotion that not only that you feel for someone, but it also prompts you to, to move forward and to to take action. And so I am so excited to welcome my friends, Lonnie and Michelle Quigley Chapman. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so glad you're here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Thank you. We were excited you. for you to ask us. Yeah. It's really fun. It's really fun. We've never done this before. Oh. You'll be able to tell. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. Okay, so first of all, I'm starting off with asking my all of my guests, and Lonnie, we'll start with you. What's your experience or not experience been with, with Lent? Okay, I don't have much um, experience currently with Lent. Uh, it was something that we observed growing up. I grew up in uh, the Lutheran Church, and uh, so I... I recall doing that. I think that currently, you know, just trying to live your life in a way that pleases God continues to involve or keeps involving you looking at Jesus laying his life down. Mm. I mean, that's sort of, that's sort of a a repeat thought an ongoing interaction, you know, between yourself and God. So for me, I guess I always come back to that subject because I know I have to, uh, relinquish what I'm doing. I have to give up my own desires sometimes and uh, give up my own drive and just depend upon God. And that comes, you know, at a place where I think you have to find yourself crucified with Christ. So it's, it's something that's revisited, uh, in my life periodically, just because no matter what's to. happening on the church calendar. Right. 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 How about you, Michelle? So Lent for me growing up, I remember immediately when you first asked me about the thing that immediately crossed my mind is how many years I tried to give up biting my fingernails for Lent, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) which doesn't sound terribly spiritual, (laughs) but so Lent for me was always trying to give up something and not eating meat on Friday. Usually it was more fish or tuna casserole or something. Mm -hmm. And Did I, you grow up? I guess I knew, I knew it was a spiritual time, but I, it didn't, for me, it was always like a time to double down on my discipline of making myself a better person. It was not, I mean, I should have been giving up probably other things that would have been more sacrificial. These were things that would have made me better had I been able to discipline myself well enough. 
so and now and now I don't specifically observe Lent, but I'm aware of it as a season as it's coming. Um, it's always a part of our thinking. Like Lonnie said, there's always a part of sacrificially laying down your life. And um, it's not for my betterment, but just for other people a lot of times, or just as a sacrifice to Christ. So it's more of a, a hope that it's in my daily life, but uh, obviously aware of the church calendar, knowing that Easter is coming and aware of those times and seasons. Did you grow up in the Catholic Church? I can't remember. Yes. Okay. Yes, I grew up Catholic. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the known meat on Fridays. That was the that was the clincher that made me think that. Yeah. And that spitting out spitting out something at school lunch because I remembered it was it was um, I wasn't supposed to be eating meat. You know, like I Friday. said, it was a lot about discipline. I mean, I think in my mind it was about being disciplined mm -hmm. um, more than um, sacrifice. Well, and I think a lot of people associate Lent with fasting because that's been their experience with it. And so in our study, that's where we actually started was we started with fasting and then we're building incrementally each week, adding a new discipline onto, you know, carrying fasting with you and then adding prayer. Mm -hmm. Repentance, prayer and fasting seems to be more with God and compassion seems to be like t turning a little bit. And now s having spent that time with God, kind of turning and seeing those around you. And, and seeing them because of your time with the Lord, maybe seeing him, seeing the people around you with the eyes of the Lord and maybe with a perspective of what the Lord might see when he looks out at the people, at the people around you. So we talk a little bit about how, you know, you were just talking about with Lent that you, you know, the, the constant ongoing remembering to die to self and to live for Christ. How, how is that lived out in what you're doing in Limerick? I should just... Uh, clarify that I think Michelle's heart is really in the community. It's outside the church. And I probably have a greater leaning towards people in the church. So we're both involved in, in both. serve the city outreach <laughs> yeah, and, in, and in the church as well. But for me, maybe I'll just talk about uh, the men's group that I'm involved in. Mm -hmm. I think compassion comes about when you see others struggling with the same issues that, that you struggle with as well. There is something about um, being around that commonality uh, with people that kind of pulls something out of you. So I just started the men's group last season. So we, we have four seasons of meeting throughout the year. And last season, I asked a friend uh, to facilitate the group with me. And as we talked, uh, men just opened up and you, uh, or I f found myself like really leaning into them, wanting mm. to do more for them, wanting to make sure that they didn't feel like they were the only ones struggling. Mm -hmm. uh, it sort of pulled out, I suppose, the pastoral heart in me. So all of that, I think, has to do with compassion, keeping in touch with them uh, throughout the week, uh, talking with them individually, meeting up with them on Sundays uh, in church, and also uh, our, our group meets Monday night. But keeping in touch with them and knowing that I'm interested in them, I'm interested in what they're going through. Is there any way I can help? How can we rally the other guys around you to pull you out of this? So all of that has really, I think, been pulled out of me since the men's group started. So knowing that others are in situations that you have had to pull yourself out of, I think that does ignite a flame uh, in you to have compassion upon them to put in action something that you can do to facilitate 
whatever it is, healing, repentance, mm -hmm. understanding, clarification of maybe what, what the Bible means in this particular instance or that instance. For me, I see the men's group as something where compassion maybe has been flowing out of me mm -hmm. uh, since I've been involved with that group. Well, and I love that you coupled compassion with relationship because that's actually what we're doing this week too, because I think they go hand in hand, just like what you were saying. You have compassion on someone and then there's a relationship there and that, that coming alongside and the, the doing life with. And in, in, yes. in reference to the men's group, then it's a, this is a, a group that you're maybe at different places in their relationship with Christ, but having a common goal of, you know, let's seek God together and God is working in each of us and how can we support each other in our, in our relationships with God and, and as, as men who are following Christ, would that be accurate? Yeah, for sure. And you, you have sort of a heart that wants to bring clarity to everybody wants to be helpful and everybody has a different opinion. So mm -hmm. compassion is also kind of weeding out things that make living complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, living a life for Jesus or living with Jesus is more simple than it is complicated. And many voices can add to the complication aspect of it. So in our men's group, we just try to be as, as clear as possible, as simple as possible, and try to walk with guys in their life as well. I could so easily get down on a, go down on a rabbit trail to talk about the complexity versus the simplicity of following Christ, <laughs> but that's not really what we're talking about. But that sounds so interesting because I do think a lot of times we overcomplicate, we can overcomplicate it. And, you know, you, you know, someone has to check all of these boxes you know, to, to, to be, you know, following together, to be a part, a part of this community versus we're just doing the best we can following Christ. Can we just come together and, and try to follow him together? So, yep. I, yeah, I love that. And Michelle, how are you then, you know, with your heart kind of more outside of the church with those who don't know Christ yet, how, how are you walking that out? Um, well, I would say, yeah, mostly I do feel like everything I do is for the, with the idea of people who aren't in the church. So sometimes I'll just feel like what we're doing in the church isn't that important, which is not true. It's important, but um, and I'm benefited from many years of being in the church, so mm -hmm. it's important. But for me, I just think um, my heart is for connection and um, always being a bridge. And I find it really uh, satisfying and maybe not that difficult to just find commonalities with everybody. I mean, I think our humanity keeps us together, mm -hmm. but I think the ultimate thing is with um, Serve the City, which is the charity that we run here, we have opportunity to really kind of meet people in hard situations and they're very often sad or depressed and they're very often embarrassed and apologetic for sometimes the, maybe the condition of their home has gotten into or things like that. They feel embarrassed to even ask for help, but maybe they're social worker has referred us to come in or whatever. And I think I was saying to Lonnie, I think the most important conversations I have had here are with people in that situation where mm. they're just very vulnerable. They're being very open, very vulnerable and really taking a risk because they just sort of have to. And it's everything in me wants to just say, and often does just say, I, I just want, I want to help. What can we do to help? Mm -hmm. But also I want to help them in that moment to not feel embarrassed, uh, to not feel so vulnerable. It's like you kind of want to protect them from feeling bad about their situation. For example, we just had a conversation with a fellow who was, he was a hoarder, basically. He was an elderly man who had dementia 
And he was very able-bodied, but his whole house, top to bottom, many rooms were just full of stuff. There was hardly a place to walk. But he was very animated and he wanted to talk. So at one point, you know, we all realized he wasn't able, he just really wasn't able to see the problem. And he was living in really a completely rat infested home with no sense of really understanding of that. But he was standing outside talking to us. And I remember just looking in his eyes, just thinking, you know, God, how can we help? I don't know how to help. It's just so, it's so much. And I don't know what we could do, but everything in me wanted to, to figure out how we could help him in his situation. He didn't seem really very cognizant of it, but that I think that that wanting to help has always been in me. Even before I was a Christian, I love the idea of coming along and helping people. And Mm -hmm. that's really what we feel God has called us to hear is, is um, not to be the experts in any particular thing, but to be willing to do whatever is needed for the local church and now for serve the city. When people ask us to help, we just, it's our job to figure out how we can come alongside and support people and, and help alleviate whatever is not right in their life, you know, whatever is not well. And a lot of those times, I think those conversations I've had, I said to Lonnie, are probably the most important mm-hmm. moments I've had with people here. And you know, I wish it feels like they feel like God moments, but I can't quite put my finger on. I suppose I'm learning, you know, I'm trying to learn myself. They feel like the most important moments um, and then they're gone. And I think that's like a God moment. This seems like Jesus is a part of that, but I'm not exactly, we're not really and it's not a moment when you would just give the gospel or whatever, but we're trying to show the gospel by the, the kind of love we and service we give to people um, in any situation. But it totally feels to me like God is in those moments and he's changing me me and my heart for people, even having those conversations. So it's helping us as much as it helps anyone, but um, it definitely is a desire to do what we can and to bring volunteers along who also their hearts grow, you know, as they have opportunity to serve. So we really feel it's a valuable way of bringing people in the church and people from outside the church. We have volunteers from everywhere to bring them together, to have relationship, to rub up against each other's lives mm-hmm. in real ways and develop develop relationships where maybe none would have existed otherwise. And we just keep praying for God to come into those uh, in every way as much as, as much as he wants to. Maybe you could tell the story about one of our volunteers who came to help clear this woman's house out. Yeah, we had a young guy at the church. He, he's, um, he's been involved in ministry a lot, but he's, he's a young, busy guy. Well, pretty young. He's around a lot, busy doing things. And he came one time, we had a, um, an opportunity to help, uh, declutter, which is basically a woman who had a big house full of stuff. And we were to bring in many volunteers to basically empty her home. She had a chronic problem with hoarding. And so this young guy came along to help from the church. We'll just call him Bill. He had never served with us on Service City before, but he was able to come that day. And after he had been there for a little while, he uh, left, which we were all kind of taking a little bit of a tea break in the middle of the day. Okay, first of all, love that. Love that you guys were taking a tea break. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're having a cuppa and a biscuit yes, you know yes um but he he left and I remember kind of being annoyed thinking he's a little bit fly by night I thought maybe he's not coming back but when he came back the friend he was with said that he Bill was bawling in the car mm. he just felt like 
he said um, he just didn't realize, and yet he felt like if Jesus was here on the earth, that's what Jesus would be doing, would be, because the woman whose house we were clearing out was there in the house with us, mm-hmm. and she has a, a, an intellectual disability, but she was, you know, a part of it, she was visiting with everybody, and he was so broken by, the, was sad about, you know, I guess her situation, and when I talked to him the next Sunday, he said, I said, so you were crying? I was kind of surprised, and he goes, he goes, yeah, he goes, it was really just so moving to me. And I felt like it was so important. And then he looked at me and he goes, maybe you're, maybe you're past that. He goes, don't you cry? And I'm like, well, I help, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> like helping is, is what we do, but he was quite affected by it. And so it really, you know, whether people are even just people in the church, it helps them grow to serve that way, you know, um, sacrificially and crossing the line into weird and unusual and uncomfortable positions to meet the needs of people they wouldn't meet otherwise. And then in doing that, we're, of course, meeting a lot of people from different walks of life in Limerick. And it's just a really great giant experiment. I think when we do that, we always just pray and think of the possibilities that God, what God could do in, in, in all of those situations. So I think going back to the story of Bill that Michelle just told, uh, there were two shifts that day, I believe. And uh, he was going to, he was going to stay for the first shift only, but yeah, he, he said it would depend on the vibe. That's what he told me. He, <laughs> yeah. That it would depend on the vibe. Mm-hmm. But he ended up being so moved by compassion <laughs> right. for this woman that he stayed for the second shift to continue helping. You know, when you think about somebody being a missionary, you know, I usually yeah. think of, I guess what you're, what I'm saying is that you guys are kind of busting out of the box of what I thought of, you know, the, the, but the box that I had of what missionaries do. And I mm-hmm. love that. You know, Lonnie, you feel more called to be working in the church. And Michelle, you feel more called to be working outside of the church. And and you are on mission together there in that space and in those spaces and places and following where the Holy Spirit leads. And I think that because maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of us like to put things in boxes and have things to be neat and orderly. And, you know, to what you just said, Michelle, about how Bill felt uncomfortable and you guys are going into places that are uncomfortable and, and, and stretch you in, um, in coming alongside of people and in, in, in situations that are uncomfortable. But that is, I believe, where Jesus, that's where we saw Jesus go when he was walking the earth. And so I, I love that you're going into places, you know, a little having a plan and also a little open handed about, okay, Lord, you know, we're going to do this work that's in front of us. Mm -hmm. Will you do the work that you can do that only you can do? Yeah, that's true. Because, you know, wherever we go, uh, whether in the church or in the community with Serve the City, for example, there's always a limitation to what we can do. We can't we can't do everything. We can't completely clean out somebody's house. We can't completely meet their medical needs Mm -hmm. or even their social needs. I mean, some people are just lonely. Currently, we meet maybe every other week, um, sometimes weekly with one particular man that we helped out. We actually didn't get very far in helping him. So now we're just meeting him socially, you know, for coffee or for lunch, because I think he wants that and needs that. So we're just trying to meet that need. But we're inadequate, really, in what we're doing. I can't meet mm-hmm. all the guys' needs. I can't. I don't have the right answers for them. Mm-hmm. So there really is a place where you have to depend upon God to come through and do the rest. Yeah. Well, and it sounds a lot like, so in our study guide, we're looking at Matthew nine thirty-five through 38, when Jesus is going through the towns and the villages, and he talks about that, that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
and he had compassion on them. And when I, I like turn it out sometimes and look up Greek words and see what they mean. And that, that yes. word compassion is to be moved in one one's bowels. And at the time, the bowels were thought to be the seat, no pun intended, of love and pity. And how there there's that movement. And so you... I love this example that you have it. And Lonnie, you said that you, with your men's group and then with the church recently, that you were actually asked to speak about compassion. Will you share a little bit about what, you know, what it was that you shared with your men's group and what you shared at the church about compassion and what you learned about it? Sure. Uh, well, the focus of our men's group was that Jesus is, he's everything, basically. So we want to look to Jesus for our transformation. We want to look for Jesus for our lives to be changed. Uh, we want to look for Jesus so we can worship him. And he is the exact representation of God the Father. So what we see Jesus to be like is actually what Jesus, uh, what God the Father is like. Mm -hmm. So that was the focus of our whole season, um, is that he's the uh, express representation of God the Father. And one of those, one of those expressions uh, that Jesus came through with almost always was compassion. And then I was asked to speak at a church in County Cork, and I spoke about compassion there, and I just kind of went a little bit further. So one of the things that I had read uh, in leading up to speaking at that church was also the Hebrew words for compassion. And the noun, of course, is compassion, and the verb would be, you know, to have mercy. But I found out that the Hebrew root word for compassion is actually womb. Mm. So that surprised me a lot. That's where the strongest connection of compassion and love are. Uh, it's where that bonding between the mother and the baby happen. And so it's, uh, I was just thinking about the womb as the place of the development happening. So there is a place of growth and there's a place where the fetus is nourished. So there's the nourishment aspect of it as well. And it's a place where the baby is protected while they're growing. Uh, those three things, growth and nourishment and protection are all part of compassion. And as I uh, spoke to uh, this particular church, we looked at different Bible stories and examples from scripture where we found those elements of nourishment, growth, and protection in these stories that most people know as compassionate expressions mm -hmm. of God towards people. So that uh, was interesting to me because, you know, we come forth out of God. God has this connection with people that is so deep and uh, we'll never get it, you know, as uh, people, but it's a, it's a deeper connection than we can realize. And so he has this great compassion on mm. people because he mm. created them and he knows them. And, you know, Jesus lived the life that, uh, that we lived uh, in every way. So he knows all about the struggles that we go through. He knows those situations that affect us emotionally and, and whatnot. So there's just a great amount of compassion that comes out of God for people who are struggling, who don't have it all together, for people whose lives need help, which would include everyone. Right. <laughs> um, some, li some, some lives go on, you know, better than others and their experiences are less traumatic or less hurtful. But he has great compassion on everyone who, you know, who turns toward him. So those are the things that we talked about in the men's group and also uh, in the church that I spoke at. I love that. So compassion, when God has compassion, it's about nourishment, growth and protection. Yeah. Yes, just like so just like a mother's womb would be for her developing child. Yeah, this has been so so good. I just I appreciate the way that the two of you are seeking God 
to, you know, in your own relationship with him, but then also turning and saying, okay, Lord, how can use me, you know, I'm here, use me in those spaces and places that I'm at, because I think it's really easy to just kind of turn toward God or turn toward the comfortable places and not Mm -hmm. turn our shoulders and turn our eyes and our face toward the suffering around us and then take the next step, like literal step (laughs) toward it Mm -hmm. to, to do what we can to come alongside those who are suffering. So I'm, I'm just so grateful to, for the work that you're doing and to be able to partner with you in it. And I'm, thank you so much for coming and having this conversation with me today. Yeah. Thanks so much, Angie. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah. Thank you, Angie. We appreciate you too. Thanks so much for being a part of it with us. And thank you for joining me today. My guests have been Lonnie and Michelle Quigley Chapman. They're serving with World Mission in Limerick, Ireland, and they're currently looking for more partners in their ministry. If you want to find out more and maybe support their work in Ireland, all the information that you need can be found in the show notes at myfaithradio.com. Also, if you'd like to get a copy of that free study guide I was talking about, you can also head to the show notes found at myfaithradio.com. I'm so, so grateful that you joined me today. I would love to have you join me next time when we talk about the spiritual discipline of hospitality. Thank you for listening to this conversation on reading the Bible together. These conversations are available because of your support. You can become a supporter now at myfaithradio.com. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and share it with friends so together we can inspire more people to read the Bible together.